Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen Podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. All right, welcome to episode 10 of the Surviving Second Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, and um, I want to talk about this today because um, I actually had a friend uh, that I talked to that said to me one time, they were like, you know, I feel like because of the way that my parents raised me, and this was a person who is a child of immigrants, who um, was saying that, yeah, I feel like the way that my parents didn't really allow me to be independent, it's making me struggle in the workplace. Like, I struggle in showing up in the workplace. I struggle with meeting expectations. I struggle with standing up for myself. I just struggle in the workplace. And I was like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I think we need to talk about it because, um, yeah, that really sparked something in me that uh, made me realize that, yeah, a lot of us are struggling to show up in the workplace in the way that we want to and in the way that is expected um, because of the lack of independence that we were able to grow in pivotal stages in our lives. I mean, when we think back to the episode where I was talking about the stages of development and the expectations in that stage, especially that adolescent stage, that, um, stage where you are in school, when you're supposed to be understanding um, career dynamics, understanding how to set yourself up to be successful in the workplace as an adult. Um, and a lot of that has to do with learning how to be independent. Um, but when you think about a household, an immigrant household, a lot of that is not um, encouraged. There's not a lot of independence that is correct and uh, encouraged a lot of times. Um, it's more so discouraged. Um, it's more so a collectivist uh, slash codependent. Um, I'm not going to say slash collectivist or um, can lead to codependent um, type of mindset versus allowing that child to be independent. And... What's happening is it shows up in adulthood when a child has to be very much independent in the workplace and have a free-thinking mindset um, in almost any and every job and that child not being able to do so because they weren't given that opportunity to have a free-thinking mindset. 
um, the mindset that's encouraged a lot in a um, immigrant household is not free thinking. Um, and when I say free thinking, it's being able to make your own judgments from a particular situation. Um, make your own decisions based on things that are happening um, in and around your life. Um, and, you know, in a lot of immigrant households, when you're a second generation immigrant, you're struggling to have that uh, independence, that ability to think freely, that ability to make your own decisions without, um, the input of your family members, especially like your parents, um, you're fighting for that. Um, and if you're living in the household, a lot of times that, that battle is a hard one. Like, especially, like, if you're living in the household, that, that battle is a lot hard one. Even if you're a full-grown adult who has a job, making their own money, doing all the things, it's hard. So imagine being an adult, still living in the household, and still fighting to have a free-thinking mindset. But then you have to get up and go to work and be in an environment where they want you to be a free-thinker. Ooh, the cognitive dissonance, <laughs> you know, like it's basically I'm a child at home, but I'm at work. I'm supposed to be an adult. Yeah. Like, how does one, you know, how does one do that? So you, it's so it's so complicated, you know, like culturally, there's so many things that you're fighting. Um, and again, like you're fighting being placed in this box that is so hard. To, like I personally talk to, I personally counsel and work with young adults who are children of immigrants who are fighting this battle every day, who literally feel like a child when they are at home. So <clears throat> At home, they have certain rules and regulations and, um, you know, just ideas that they have to follow that basically you would tell like a 14-year-old to follow. And then that same person has to then turn that off, kind of, sort of, because even when they are outside of their household, they're constantly being checked up on as if they are a child. So they kind of sort of have to turn that off, but not all the way because if they do, they're going to offend the parent at home if they are not um, being available or showing up in the way that that parent wants them, even outside of the household. So they can never completely turn that off, right? So imagine carrying that with you, not completely being able to turn that off, and then going into a workplace where they want you to turn it completely off, there's no being a child in the workplace. You have to be an adult who can think freely, who can make your own decisions, who can initiate things, like take initiative, um, be a leader. Um, yeah, and if you didn't, if you're still fighting to be able to have those skills, then yeah, of course you're going to be struggling in the workplace to like 
authentically show up in that way and like have those skills. Um, and I've heard a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome, um, which is basically feeling like you're not meant to be in the room that you're in. Your, your, your experiences are not good enough to be receiving the recognition that you're receiving or given the responsibility that you're given. Um, and I, I, I totally understand how deep imposter syndrome is and how do I say this? Like, I get it, but I, I'm, it also saddens me how deep it runs in a person to the point where they don't even feel, uh, capable to just do the job that they were literally trained to do, like went to school for, has experience in, like the imposter syndrome is so deep that like they don't even believe that they're good enough, even though they literally like have above and beyond the skills to do what they're doing, if that makes sense. You know, like that saddens me because that's um, how deep imposter syndrome runs in you know in certain people um so yeah just the levels of it you know like again I understand it and um you know I've talked about it before but yeah to to literally feel like you don't even deserve the job that you have even though you have all the degrees you've done all the experience and all these things like imposter syndrome is crippling you you know um, but again, it goes back to, you know, imagine being in this household where you're not an adult, um, <laughs> basically, you know, in their eyes, um, and how they treat you and you have to turn it on. Um, even when you're like not living in the household, you know, <laughs> there's still, again, I still work with people and talk with people who deal with this uh, control um, that immigrant parents are trying to have on them even while they are living outside of the household. So this may be, you know, a 20-something-year-old woman most of the time living on her own in her own place and then you have a mom and or dad who's trying to pull the strings, you know, and, you know, control what they're doing, where they're going. So, you know, <laughs> that may be literally like, you know, popping up on them or, you know, calling them at times where you don't need a phone call or asking questions about what they're doing that's like super invasive, just trying to control the narrative of how this child shows up um, you know, in the world. And yeah, imagine, you know, so even though you're not in the household, you're, you still have this parent trying to control how you show up. You're still trying to manage that and still, um, exert yourself as a, you know, fully whole adult, but then you have to wake up and go to work where they expect you to know how to be a fully whole adult and do all the things that adults do. Um, struggle. Struggle to say the least. So um, it, it saddens me. It really does because um, 
the thing is, um, second generation immigrants are usually very educated, like very much educated more than enough, um, in the field that they're in, like more than, um, more than qualified to do the jobs that they do. However, they're the ones struggling with feeling qualified, feeling like they belong in the place that they are in. And that's problematic to me, you know, like it's unfortunate because, you know, this child is carrying all of this narrative in the cultural context that they're in, that they're not a fully grown adult in the way that they're treated, in the way that they're spoken to, in the uh, lack of um, confidence in them, like all these things that are perpetuating this narrative in their mind that they're, they're not a fully grown adult that is capable, even though everything else shows that they are. But if everything else shows us that that they are, like on paper they are, and they don't feel it, or they don't um, even, you know, carry the skills to show that, then yeah, they're not going to be successful in the workplace. They're not going to be successful in their career, right? Like you can be great on paper all day, right? But if you go into that interview and you suck at it, they're not going to hire you. (laughs) you know like you could be great on paper all day but if you have to give a presentation and your public speaking skills suck or your persuasive skills suck then yeah your um performance rating is not gonna be so great or you know if you consistently show up in that way your job may be on the line so yeah, like it's, it's, it's unfortunate where, when the skills and the ability doesn't add up to the performance and, and I don't think it's because they can't perform. Um, I think it's because they haven't been given the opportunity to Um, really hone those skills. So the times that they were growing up, especially in the adolescence age, where those skills were supposed to be honed, where they're supposed to be given chances to make decisions, to um, analyze things, to make observations and comment on those things, they couldn't do so. And for that reason, it's that person becomes an adult who doesn't even recognize that they can tap into those skills. So I say that to say that it's never too late. Like it's never too late to learn those things. And my advice for a second generation immigrant who's struggling um, in that area, the, the workplace area to show up is to do everything that you can to learn those skills in your everyday life. So you don't have to focus on honing in on all those skills in the workplace because honestly, you don't have that grace. <laughs> like corporate America, they don't play that. 
you know, like most jobs, they don't play that. Like it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating. And this is not even, this is more of a fault of like the American society in, in the first place is the way that they want you to show up into a job and just know it all, even though you've never had that job. Make it make sense. Like, make it make sense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much, um, you know, education that you've gotten. If you don't have real life experience in that particular field, there's still some gaps. Like, there just is. Like, I remember... And I, me and my best friend talk about this all the time um, when we were school counselors and how much, I mean, to, to be a school counselor, you have to, a school counselor, you have to get a master's degree, right? So we went and got our master's degree in school counseling. We learned all the things. And then when we became a school counselor and actually got into a school, there was so much crap that we had to like, just literally learn on the job. Like, imagine, like, my first year as a school counselor coming into a school system, like, you think you're good, you're set up to go. And there's so much that they don't tell you in the program that practically applies in doing the work. So it wasn't that I wasn't educated enough. I knew all the things. I could pass all the tests, all of that. But there are just some things that show up in the work that you just don't learn in a school setting that is very much structured in a certain way that um, exposes you to a certain curriculum. Even though uh, on top of that, we took an internship. So there was a time that I, I spent a whole year in a school. But even then, as an intern, there's still a level of access that I didn't have that a regular school counselor had. So there's still some things that I did not see until I was an actual school counselor. And I was like, oh, I ain't learned that in school, but here we go. Like I got to learn it now. Cause that's what, you know, the principal expects me to do. So I got to do it. So, you know, I learned those things on my own or sometimes I had to consult with other people who've been, you know, doing it for a while. So all that to say, like, there's just some things that no matter how much experience you have, you just don't know it until or no matter how much knowledge you have or um, degrees you have, you just don't know it until you get into that space. But the jobs don't tell you that they make you feel like, oh, you went to school for this. Or even if you, either way, they just make it seem like you need to come in knowing everything and they don't give grace. Like if you don't know everything, it's almost like, well, what are you doing? Like, how do you not know how to do this? Like you should know how to do this, you know, like that's just what it is, even though you've never stepped in this particular environment ever before. So with that, there is a lot of pressure to already know things, especially when it comes to almost the basic level skills that are not like um, specific to that job, right? So intuition, leadership, um, ability to work with others, um, you know, um, critical thinking, those are all like foundational skills that basically 
all jobs require. Like those are not things that are like, oh, you only do that if you're a doctor or you only do that if you're a construction worker. Like basically all jobs, you got to be able to have those skills. So if it's not a specific skill that has to do with that job type, they expect you to know it. So imagine trying to learn how to be um, intuitive on the job. And then if you don't know how to be intuitive correctly, you make a huge mistake and mess up a project, (laughs) you know, or endanger the lives of the um, customers that you're serving or the clients or the patients. Like, imagine, you know, so it's like there's a risk when trying to learn these foundational skills on the job, which is why I say, Don't try to push yourself to learn that on the job. Try to find ways in your real life to have these skills. So what does that look like? Um, It could be, you know, certain things that you get to do in the community for free. So it's not paid work, right? It could be some volunteer work that you do in your community where you get to lead a group of people in some type of way or come together and work on some type of um, initiative. Um, I know like currently right now um, as a um, counselor, I serve on a couple of boards, um, board slash coalitions. And in those boards and coalitions, we have meetings. So we have meetings where, you know, different people have the opportunity to lead the meetings um, or take notes in the meetings, um, or there's opportunities where they, you know, need people to do like certain things, maybe be a speaker at a conference or something like that. Those are all opportunities for me or anyone who isn't in that type of, um, a group to hone in on certain skills. So, you know, let's say I never got to, I never like did any public speaking before, this is a like a no pressure opportunity, right? To like show up and learn how to do that. I mean, not saying that, you know, you could totally bomb the whole thing, but it's like, it's not like this spotlight of like, oh, if you do this, you could lose your job or, you know, there's a huge consequence. Like it's an opportunity for you to learn these things, learn how to work with other people, you know, learn how to um, manage, you know, a group of people, not necessarily like being like over them or being their boss, but like manage a group of people, say if you're like leading a meeting. So that right there is an example of a space where I, you know, I, as a person, has an opportunity to um, to learn and, um, yeah, show up um, and hone in on these skills that I may not have because of the environment that I was raised in. Um, you know, when I think about, um, you know, critical thinking and um, things like that, I think about how important it is to think on your feet. Like that, that's really important. Uh, I don't know 
in any job where you don't have to think on your feet. Like something happens and you just have to really figure out like, okay, what do I do next? Um, And sometimes if you get an opportunity to shadow somebody, that's a really good way to see what's happening in real life um, in that particular field and see how they handle things. Um, And, you know, you can ask somebody in the field that you're trying to work with to see if you can get that opportunity to, to do so. Because again, that may not be something that you want to try to learn on their job. Um, if you're like actively trying to make that a, a, like a, a really good skill for you, because that lack of intuition and you messing up on the job can cost a lot. But if you get the opportunity to uh, show up in the environment that's very similar to yours and, um, you know, get to see somebody actually having to be intuitive to a certain situation, you know, that can help you really see um, how you can do it yourself. And, you know, possibly in that situation, they can help you, you know, actually deal with it you, you know, yourself, and then you can get feedback from them on, okay, did I handle that correctly? Or, you know, what did you think of, you know, how I worked through that situation? So yeah, it gives you the opportunity to learn that intuition um, in, in a space where there's not as much pressure. So I think basically just doing more hands-on experience things is what's going to teach you some of these skills um because you can only do so much reading (laughs) like and I'm not against like reading to learn more things but um if you do more practical reading that's helpful you know something that can uh actually teach you to to do it hands-on and give you like you know basically some type of homework to actually try these things because again these are not skills that like let me read on how to be a critical thinker (laughs) no you actually have to practice being a critical thinker like you can't just read about it um I think therapy is another way that you can um try to learn these um skills um, if you have a good therapist who, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a therapist. Um, I think in this situation, I would even recommend like a career coach or a coach in general, like maybe some type of life coach, um, because it's not necessarily, um, like in depth work that, um, you're doing. It's more so like it's coaching. Like this person has to give you, uh, have the ability to coach you in like real life stuff. And, and not every therapist can be a coach, you know, um, some, I mean, yeah, coaching and therapy is different. So I think in this situation, um, when you get an effective coach, they can really help you apply like some skills that you can use in the real world 
and hold you accountable for doing those things. If you have a really good therapist, they can do that too. Because, you know, there are therapists who can um, do that in their work and give you some real life tools that you can practice to hone those skills. But again, like I said, like the, the therapy and coaching is different when we think about the type of skills that you're trying to learn. They may not be what um, a therapist is um, skilled or specialized in doing. But yeah, basically, I mean, it's okay to reach out to someone outside of yourself to hone in on those skills if that's what the person has an expertise in, right? Like if they are someone who helps um, coach individuals um, in the workplace and show up in that workplace, like, you know, that's somebody that you, you want to, you know, <laughs> reach out to and see if you could get that experience from them. So, yeah, um, I just, again, it it saddens me how deeply that, you know, a lot of second generation immigrants are struggling with this thing because they still haven't managed to show up as an adult in their day-to-day life outside of the workplace. And that is where, um... I do believe therapy does kick in um, because if you have a culturally aware therapist, they can help you create the appropriate boundaries um, with your parent that you need to build up yourself to be the independent person that you want to be. Um, And I say culturally aware because, um, and this is not, all white therapists, but a therapist who is um, from this country and comes from simply a Western lens, they may say things to you like, well, why don't you just stop talking to your mom or dad? Or, you know, like, why don't you just cut them off? Or, you know, uh, why don't you just move out? you know, or just things that, you know, it sounds like it makes sense. Like you could just easily do that if you don't want to deal with this um, situation and how they are leading you. But as we know, if you are a second generation immigrant, it's not that simple. Um the cultural nuances play a role in how you show up in a relationship with your parents and your extended family. So it's not necessarily just a cut off thing. There are situations where you may decide, yes, I'm cutting off my parents or this person or that person. It's understandable. There are situations. However, the majority of situations, that's not like the answer. So when you have someone who is a culturally sensitive um, therapist or counselor, they can help you understand how to make those um, steps um, usually, you know, kind of like an in increments to get to the place where you need to build that confidence to be the adult, show up as adult in your everyday life, which can also um, transfer into your career career world. So that's how I would say in the grand scheme of things, 
would be the most effective way to be able to show up um, in the career world. Like all the things that I said before were practical ways, more quick to really help you implement those skills. And I think you can do those things in conjunction with therapy. Like those things don't have to be done on their own without therapy. You can do both or you could doesn't mean that you just have to do therapy and not do those things. But the work that you do with a culturally um uh culturally competent um therapist or a counselor can be life-changing. Like I do that work and it's so rewarding for me because I know that I'm reaching that person in a place that Um, other people can't reach them because they don't know what it means to, you know, be Russian or Japanese or Hungarian. Like they don't know that. So they don't know all the, the things of that culture that impacts how that person moves, which doesn't mean I'm just cutting you off. Like it means like, how do I set the boundaries that I need to show up in the way that I need to show up in the way that I need, but still have you as my parent because I'm not trying to cut you off, but I'm still trying to like coexist with you in a way that makes sense for me. So there's so much value in therapists that understand culture and we need more of them. I'm just saying, I'm calling out to the people who may be listening. We need more of them because the work is such a unique, niched work um, that everybody doesn't have that skill. Um, So yeah, I feel like if you are a second generation immigrant and you're trying to um, get out of this... uh, just being stuck, you know, in this um, relationship with your parents or a parent that is hindering how you show up in this world, try to find a culturally sensitive counselor that can help you work through that so that it can bleed into all parts of your life. And that's how you can overcome the workplace issues that you have. So that's what I'm leaving you all with today. I hope that this was helpful. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Surviving Second Gen podcast. If nothing else, I do want you to tap into our YouTube channel and I want to hear what you all have um, to say about this conversation and I will see you all in the next episode. Bye. If you found today's episode valuable or this podcast as a whole, I invite you to leave a five-star review and also leave a comment letting others know what you gain from this episode. This allows for our podcast to gain more visibility and for it to reach the people that want to hear this information. Also, we invite you to engage in the comments on the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, so we can continue this rich conversation that we're having today.